The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now today we're catching up with Ballara Rocks, trades under the code BRX or Bravo Romeo Yankee. Last trading at 38 cents for a market cap of around $18 million. Now it only floated in uh, or joined the stock exchange list on January 28 in a $5 million float at 20 cents a share. So we can quite comfortably say it's been a success to date. Now we have Neil Warburton, the chairman of the company with us today. Uh, Neil has been in the game for 40 years, the prospectus uh, tells us. And I think I've done about 250 of these podcasts now and no one's admitted to being in the game for more than 30 years. So well done, Neil. (laughs) Thank you, Barry. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast, Neil. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. And Neil, um, the company's got... uh, Two key areas of interest at the moment, Ballara and Native B, polymetallic projects in uh, New South Wales, the Lachlan Fold Belt, about 50 kilometres east of Dubbo, and uh, grounds you know well over at Buller Bulling, 60 kilometres southwest of uh, Coolgardie, so we're talking gold there. So before we jump into it, Neil, you're obviously uh, well known in the industry, but for those investors who might not have come across you before, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of your professional history in the game? Yes, certainly. And uh, thanks very much, Barry, for the uh, for the time today to tell the story of Ballara Rocks. Um, my history, uh, as it states in the prospectus, I've been in the industry for about 40 years. I started off as a very raw mining engineer working for Western Mining Corporation in Cambodia in the 1980s, in actual fact, mining nickel and uh, and worked myself through the uh, the ranks with Western Mining until such time I joined a company called Coolgardie Gold, and we mined gold in the Coolgardie region. So some of the tenements that uh, you spoke about at Buller Bulling, uh, I know pretty well from my days back in the 1990s. Um, I then uh, uh, historically went and joined Barmico. Uh, Barmico then was a, a rather small underground mining outfit, uh, and in the 1990s, uh, started looking after various contracts around Kalgoorlie and in the eastern gold fields of Western Australia, uh, to the point where in uh, the uh, year 2007, in actual fact, um, Barmico was sold to a private equity group and I became the CEO. Uh, we took Barmico from being probably one of the, the largest and well-respected underground mining companies in, mm-hmm. uh, in Australia at that point in time through to to uh, being one of the biggest underground mining contractors in the world because we expanded into West Africa and also into Egypt. Uh, And uh, using my underground mining experience and using my mining engineering experience, of course, we're able to grow that. Um, Since I left Barmico in uh, 2012, I've really uh, concentrated on my own assets, I suppose, and having a look at various projects, uh, not only in Australia but overseas, and bringing some of those to the market. Uh, Fortunately... Uh, we were introduced to the Balara project uh, by a very well-known group called Kenix, uh, which is headed up by Michelle Stokes, who's a non-executive director of the company, and Greg Partington, who's our technical uh, director. 
uh, Bolara Rocks, um, or uh, is the name obviously of the public company, but the Bolara project is a significant clean energy metals project that hasn't had any major new exploration for over 10 years. Uh, there is uh, a known resource, it's not your compliant. And uh, that was the focus of our IPO listing. So we've been able to um, go back in and, and um, locate quite significant amount of historical information from previous owners, including Rio Tinto in actual fact, that uh, mined this. Uh, historically, the Brillara uh, project was mined for copper back in the 1910s and 1915s, uh, there was a smelter there. So it actually outcrops. Very rarely nowadays do you actually get a clean energy metals, uh, copper, zinc project that actually outcrops in the Lachlan Fold Belt uh, located between Dubbo and Mudgee. So we're pretty excited about it. Right. Now, just before diving deeper into Ballara, um, I was just wondering, given your depth of experience in the industry, I was wondering... What do you think makes for a good exploration company, a junior? What do you need? Yeah, well, you're only as good as the weakest link. And um, you need, obviously, first of all, a good board, a good technical board. Um, you need good technicians within your company uh, that know these type of deposits and know how to actually advance them. And, uh, and then, of course, I think you need good support in the market. So you certainly need good uh, broking firms that actually understand your approach, understand your strategy uh, and the execution of your strategy. Um, a lot, I think, of investors tend to be fly-by-nighters overnight. You know, they're in for the short haul. Um, most of the bigger companies I've been associated with, you know, a three- to five-year strategy. But mm. by the end of the day, you build a very significant uh, asset and, of course, all shareholders spend it accordingly. So... They're probably the three uh, main uh, issues uh, in a junior. And then, of course, you need a bit of luck. Yeah. At the end of the day, you certainly need to uh, execute your strategy and um, and hopefully uh, execute it as per uh, a successful outcome. One thing I've noticed over the years, if directors have skin in the game, it tends to uh, lead to a more focused uh, sort of company. Um, what's, uh, what's the situation with Bolarox? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. So um, our, the top 20 shareholders uh, combined own about 70% of right. the company. So we have a, and a lot of management directors and initial vendors own those shares. So we have a very solid, and a lot of those shares are actually in escrow until January, as you pointed out. We actually floated, IPO'd in late January this year, 2022. So um, a majority of our stock is actually in escrow until January 2024. Right, okay. It's a pretty cool name you came up with. Was that you? Um, I won't take credit for it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But Ballara Rocks, um, yes, it was uh, Michelle Stokes in actual fact, uh, mm. who's a non-executive director and mm. uh, a director of our exploration uh, team uh, called Kenex. Uh, she came up with the name, and it's a pretty cool name. Yeah, exactly. And it, it sort of tells the story. It tells the name mm. of our, our lead project as well as rocks, you know, Good. And what we're all about. And uh, I'll segue there to say that, uh, well, the share price has been rocking, 38 cents. It has been higher, but um, a good start from a 20-cent issue price in the uh, float. Yeah, I think we're one of the uh, the highest IPOs or the, one of the best IPOs uh, for 2022 calendar year so far, which is great. Mm. Um, yeah, we... We had a rocket under our share price initially. I think that's when the market was really hot. 
Uh, and of course, uh, uh, we had some very strong interest from a number of shareholders. Uh, in actual fact, those shareholders uh, are still our shareholders. Uh, it's just been dribbling down. I suppose it's the, the 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 tendency in the market over the last three or four weeks, and you'd know probably better mm-hmm. than I, but uh, a lot of the um, investors and uh, have taken a back seat over the last week or two, just trying, I think, finding direction in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is it all heading with all the noise out there, whether it's inflation, interest rates, the war in Ukraine? People just want to uh, find direction. Uh, but as long as you've got an asset, and we've got a very good asset, so it's not a junior exploration. We have got a resource that we're drilling out uh, and um, we will have a serious asset because we believe we uh, have found or will test for um, future extensions of the assets that we own. So uh, mm. I think we will get uh, a good rating in the marketplace again once uh, things settle down a little bit. Now, Ballara is in the uh, VMS style, massive sulphide mineralisation. And you've just reported uh, results from a couple of holes, which were confirming the presence of uh, BMS, which, given the thing was mined back in the day, is kind of uh, given, I guess. But the results were pretty good. You've got more than 1,500 SA results pending, but all this is leading into a resource estimation study starting in July. So what can investors look out for there, do you think? Yeah, if I can just go back one step, um, we put out uh, as part of our prospectus and straight after listing our our strategy, which mm-hmm. is pretty important, and that's our strategy, is that initially what we wanted to do, uh, it was a gravity sur- uh, survey uh, over the known deposits uh, and extend along strike that gravity survey to see whether we can identify similar rocks down to about 400 vertical metres that we know contain massive sulphide mineralisation at Ballara and its nearby deposit called Native B. That was very successful. We then replicated that with a IP survey, which again highlighted that we could use both of those uh, methods to identify not only the deposit, but also the extensions to the deposit. So since then, we actually then put together a prospectivity model Uh, based on all the historical drilling, all the surface uh, geochem work, rock chips, uh, the gravity and the IP survey, and came up with not only the extensions along strike to the known mineralisation, but other undercover uh, areas that are showing similar types of signatures that we're currently drilling. So we're quite excited about the future. So currently we've got three rigs on site, uh, two RC rigs and a diamond rig, uh, they're drilling the known uh, mineralised areas. Uh, and yes, our, our strategy was to uh, bring that up to a JORC-compliant resource by August this year, and we're well and truly on track to do that. Uh, the next phase of our exploration strategy is then to start testing some of the targets in our prospectivity model, right. both long strike and a depth. And as uh, most of your listeners would know, especially if they're geologists, uh, gravity and IP only goes down to about 400 vertical metres in most cases, and ours was the same. So these, these deposits that we're currently drilling are actually open at depth. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing, although it hasn't been definitively, um, I suppose, uh, signed off, is it looks like it's getting thicker and higher grade at depth. Uh, so only time will tell, and that's why we've got a diamond rig on site. Some of the deeper holes will be diamond. Uh, because the RC 
uh, rigs are, are too small to get down to uh, those sort of depths. But it is very, very exciting. And as you pointed out, the two holes we released uh, earlier in the week uh, have shown that uh, up to about 100, these holes are only vertically about 100 metres down. Mm-hmm. We ended up getting a 17-metre intersection uh, in one of the holes, which equated to about a 3.25 zinc equivalent grade uh, from 80 metres down hole, which vertically is about 65 metres. So mm-hmm. some of these higher grade, uh, thicker areas, which we thought were at depth, probably extend closer to the surface, which is fantastic result. Mm. One, th- one thing that... Um I, uh, confused me a bit was that I'm pretty sure Bellara was mined for copper back in the day, but you're reporting yep. zinc equivalent assays, and you but you are getting quite uh, high copper values in your drill results. So why the zinc equivalent, not say a copper equivalent? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, it we uh, some of the deeper holes are fairly high grade zinc and lower grade copper, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we thought to do the zinc equivalent. We're, we're from a board perspective, and I suppose reporting perspective, we may in the future just report the intersections now and not convert them to either a copper equivalent or a zinc equivalent. And, and we'll wait until uh, the scoping studies commence later in the year uh, about you know which element or which uh, mineral is our uh, dominant mineral. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it probably does confuse some of the investors why we do that. So I think from now on, we'll just report the actual true intersections, uh, copper, zinc, gold, uh, lead, and silver. Mind you, with uh, zinc, um, more than US dollar sixty a pound last time I looked, a uh, fantastic price for the metal. Absolutely. And uh, that was the reason we initially did it. Um, but we have had some comments back from investors that possibly we should just uh, report the intersections without the zinc equivalent. Because people would say, well, what prices are you using and what recoveries are you using mm. uh, to actually convert it over? So um, it may be a little bit confusing, especially, yeah, some of the holes have got 2 or 3% uh, copper over a, a significant width, uh, which is driving some of that zinc equivalent. But uh, the main thing, as you know, and probably a lot of your listeners will know, is that VMS deposits are, uh, are actually uh, usually found in clusters, and that's why the prospectivity modelling and the extensions, which go for about four kilometres or potential extensions, go for about four kilometres in strike mm-hmm. uh, south of the native B deposit. So um, after we drill out the current resources, we've got now six holes planned where we're going to actually test our prospectivity model. So those, that drilling, the, uh, phase two drilling will commence uh, probably middle to late July, straight after we we sign off on drilling out the current resources. So obviously the project's benefiting from uh, the application of uh, the full uh, kit bag of modern day exploration geophysical techniques. Um, so what was obviously uh, when we look at Ballara itself, yeah, interesting. But what's exciting you? It seems is this prospect prospectivity in the in the broader region. Yeah, and certainly the not only a long strike, but at depth, as I say, there's no holes deeper than about 390 vertical metres. Um, yeah. And that was some of our best inter- intersections, and they're actually historical holes. I, I can't understand why the previous owners, nowadays 390 metres vertical depth uh, is pretty well near surface, we call it nowadays. You know, uh, people are drilling 500, 800 metre holes uh, on a continuous basis in most projects to follow these 
these deposits down. So we will be doing the same in due course. Um, so adding all that up, you know, uh, what we're predicting uh, internally is that we'll have a far larger resource to quote than originally uh, hit or historically what was quoted uh, back in about 2014. Now, there is a big bunch of SA results pending. Uh, how do yep. you see those dribbling out? Uh, they'll be coming out uh, hopefully over the la- next uh, six to eight weeks. Um, in actual fact, New South Wales assay labs aren't as bad as Western Australian assay labs. Mm. Turnaround time is about four weeks. Okay. In actual fa- fact, if you can put in a high-priority uh, list, you can get them turned around in two weeks. Mm. Uh, so we have got some uh, in two weeks uh, on that two-week turnaround, which I have gone in last week. So I would think over the next six to eight weeks, all of those results and the current drilling uh, that we're, we're doing and still completing the drill out, uh, we'll have all those results in by uh, probably about the second week of August. And there's, you know, there, there'll be some significant hits in there. And uh, and then we flow straight on to phase two, as I said, to, to test not only the depth, uh, but some of the uh, extensional strike. And as part of that phase two, we're actually doing downhole EM on some of the deeper holes to find out. And as you know, what uh, downhole electric uh, magnetics, electromagnetics uh, shows your plates. So most of the uh, massive sulphide explorers in Australia use this technique and it's very successful. It can identify massive sulphide mineralization up to two to 300 meters in any direction around where you actually do that survey. So it gives you a plate, gives you a dip, gives you a plunge on that plate, and therefore you can follow the mineralization down at depth and a long strike. Mm. So um, we'll be doing that downhole EM uh, toward, well, in the second week of July, and we should have all those results back at the end of July. And uh, that's another, I suppose, um, exciting development, uh, we'll be releasing those results also to the market uh, by the end of July. Okay. Uh, uh, we better swing across to your old stomping ground, Coolgardie, yep. at uh, Buller Bulling. What's the story there? Well, the Buller Bulling uh, uh, projects are advanced exploration. Um, our technical director is Greg Partington. Uh, a little bit of history on Greg. Greg uh, is a director with Michelle at uh, Kennex Exploration, and they're our consulting exploration team. There's 16 geologists working in there. So we've got a very strong geological team working for us. But Greg used to work at Buller Bulling Gold Mine. And in fact, he was the exploration manager there some years ago. And um, he determined, and that's a three million ounce deposit Mm -hmm. uh, currently, and uh, it's owned by Norton Goldfields. Uh, He uh, developed the um, structural and stratigraphy um, map of where the actual gold deposit lies. And there's an anticline and syncline of the folded ma- uh, magmatics there and mafic rocks. So um, he he said that uh, the extension to the Buller Bulling sort of heads in this direction. And um, that ground was basically vacant. So we've got uh, all the structural information from the Buller Bulling gold fields mm-hmm. that, uh, that we've actually applied to our tenements. So... Uh, We think, and of course, there's soil anomalies on the surface, uh, gold soil anomalies that we're ready to drill. So our second project, we'll probably put some holes into that towards the end of this year after uh, we do that work program that I discussed at uh, Blair. Right. Okay. Um, Now, it is a long strike of uh, the P and nickel mine. Is there any nickel potential on those uh, tenements at Bulla Yeah. The the Mafic structure that hosts the P and runs smack bang through our tenements. 
Uh, it's never been explored for nickel and there's been no soil geochemistry work done for nickel. That's part of our uh, approach as well. Uh, we're not sort of signaling that to the market that we'll find nickel, but we're certainly going to have a look for it. And, um, you know, you never know until you actually have a go, as they say. Mm. So do you see, you know, the, the twin WA, well, New South Wales WA focus allowing for a, a more continuous news flow, I guess? Uh, very much so, yeah. Uh, even though, of course, we've got uh, clean energy metals uh, in New South Wales and gold in WA, um, our, our strategy uh, over the next two or three years is to I- increase the resources at Ballara and Native B on that project. We've really only tested so far about 20% of, of the area that we mm-hmm. hold. There's multiple other zones to the south of Native B and on other tenements that we're just waiting to be granted have similar structures. Um, and we're only about 15 kilometres away from Boda, Alkine, uh, the large porphyry. Right. Yep. So yep. we're in really elephant country. You know, a lot of people use that f- uh, phrase, but um, we have lookalike porphyries areas that we haven't tested either on our, on our ground. So... There's a lot of exploration upside, I think, at the, on the Ballara uh, project area, uh, which we'll continue to explore and expand on over the coming year or so. Mm. Now, Neil, I don't want to hark on it, but you have been in the industry a long time. Did you ever think you'd be calling base metals clean metals? <laughs> uh, to tell you the truth, Barry, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to go um, with the flow, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, some people call them you know, future-facing metals and... Uh, you battery know, metals, uh, battery metals, you know, mm. clean energy metals, um, but it's where the industry is heading, as as we all know. Um, you know, the the zinc supply and the copper supply and the lithium supply uh, for uh, future uh, batteries uh, in the electric vehicles and or in storage. There's a huge short shortage of it. You know, mm. and um, I think um, you know the mining industry in Australia and around the world are in for a pretty good time over the next five to ten years. I think supplying these metals that the world is screaming out for, because climate change and the decarbonisation of the world is a real thing. Yeah, um, it is a real thing, and it's only going to get stronger. So uh, it's a good space to be in at the moment. For sure. Well, thanks for that, Neil. Uh, you've uh, outlined a very interesting story, both in uh, New South Wales and uh, WA there. So we'll be watching with interest. All the best with it, and we'll uh, keep in touch. Yeah, thanks very much, Barry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers.